What's up, Cyber and Crypto family? Hope everybody had a great week this week. Today is Friday, September the 27th of 2019, and this is episode 88 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so we got a lot of... A lot of cybersecurity topics to get to today. We're going to talk about DoorDash. We're going to talk about Dunkin' Donuts. We're going to talk about DevSecOps. Also going to talk about AT&T and some pen testing that they were doing. We're also going to talk a little bit about Apple and a patch that recently came out. On the cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk about Telegram. Also going to talk about Keybase. And we're also going to talk about the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And of course, we're going to talk about all of the price issues that are going on right now in crypto. And for the sidebar topic, we're going to talk about using aliases for online services that you sign up for. So we've got a lot to get to here. I'm going to start on the cryptocurrency side of things, since that one's going to be a little bit of a shorter list here. So as we've all seen over the past couple days, the price has definitely not been good. We went all the way down to about 7,900. As of right now, we're up to 8,225. So it is up a little bit more today, but it was floating right around 8,000 there for a couple of days. Uh, so this is down from the, the 10,000 mark from last week. And so I believe last podcast, we even talked about the bear cross that all the analysts said were was coming, and we all kind of knew it was coming, and here it is. So... I can't say I'm too terribly surprised. Of course, I don't like it when the prices are this low, but hey, it's the way it is. Uh, Ethereum's holding pretty steady. It's at 175 right now. So that's higher than it typically is when, when Bitcoin takes a dip. So that's good. Bitcoin Cash is at 221. Litecoin's at 56 bucks. Ripple's sitting at 24 cents. Zcash is at 38 bucks and EOS is at $2.87. All in all, very much down from where we have been, and that certainly sucks. But hopefully this is the the lowest we're going to get. I mean, who knows really, but you know, if this is the lowest we get, and we're on an upward trend from here, that's that's always good news, but unfortunately I can't predict the future, but most of the analysts have said that this is probably the lowest that we're going to get, but that we need to hit some new numbers uh, in order to continue the, the bullish trend that we were on. So, And one of those key numbers, I think that they said we had to hit like 8,400 today in order for the, the bull trend to continue. How they calculate all that stuff is fascinating. I have no idea. But anyway, so we're at 8,200 for Bitcoin. We'll, we'll hope that it goes up a little bit further over the next few hours here. And maybe we can continue our bull run for this year. All right, some other news here about Telegram. I recently reported that they were going to come out with their own cryptocurrency, and they have. And you can now get their Gram wallet. It's now available in the Apple App Store only. It is not yet available on other platforms, but I'm sure it's coming. So yet another cryptocurrency that people can make payments with. All right. I think we need some more, don't you? Anyway, their Telegram folks are hoping, really hoping to disrupt Facebook. And they certainly got theirs out before Facebook did. They're also not facing as much scrutiny as Facebook is either. 
Why, I'm not really sure. I'm assuming it's because their user base isn't quite as large as Facebook's is. You know, Facebook's is, you know, billions of people, and Telegram's might be a couple hundred million. I don't know. I don't know what those numbers are, but regulators are certainly taken after Facebook, and they've pretty much ignored the Telegram crypto, from what I can tell. All right, some other cool news here. Uh, if you've ever used the app called Keybase, they are doing a stellar airdrop, and you can get some free cryptocurrency if you had an account with Keybase before September the 9th. So if you signed up for that service a while back and you still remember your password and stuff, get back in there and sign up for that Stellar airdrop. I think they're going to... I think the number they said was a few million dollars in Stellar that they're going to disperse to users on that Keybase platform. But again, you have to have had an account prior to September the 9th in order to be eligible for it. I signed up for Keybase uh, a while back when they very first came out, just kind of tinkering around with it. It's a... Basically, a secure messaging platform, very similar to Wire, very similar to Signal apps, similar to that, basically mimics those as well. So the focus around Keybase, though, is it's focused primarily on cryptocurrencies and whatnot. So it's got its own built-in Stellar wallet and whatnot. You can also add other wallets to it as well. So pretty cool app. And the other, I guess, cool part about Keybase is that it validates who you are based on, uh, you can have it validate with your Twitter account or with your website or all kinds of other things to, to validate that you're not a robot and you're an actual person. But of course, all that can be faked. But hopefully that helps at least identify the more legit profiles out there than just the robots and whatnot. But of course, when this news came out about the airdrop, hackers went out and started signing up for thousands and thousands of Keybase accounts. And that's why Keybase came back out and said, nope, it's only if you had an account prior to September the 9th. So if you signed up with them before that, go out there and log back in and, and sign up for this uh, airdrop. I got one of the drops already, and it was around... 40 bucks so i was really surprised I'm like sweet 40 bucks for doing nothing so that was kind of nice and then you can withdraw it do whatever you want to with it i withdrew it over to coinbase and switched it over to bitcoin personally but you can do whatever you like with it there so that's kind of cool if you use keybase there but also too if you're looking for a secure message platform outside of the ones that are already out there like wire and signal and all those others keybase is another good alternative out there and it's heavily focused on on cryptocurrencies all right, some other news here about the Bitcoin Lightning Network. So there was a pretty big bug that was recently patched on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And if you're not familiar with the Bitcoin Lightning Network, it's basically a another type of payments network that's running on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. And it's used for super fast transactions with very little to no fee on those transactions. So I think last episode I reported on a vulnerability that they had. This is actually a new one. So a security researcher found out that uh, essentially an attacker can claim to open a lightning payments channel. And apparently when you open this channel, you're allowed to send it and receive. And then they can issue a fake transaction and request money from somebody else and trick people and social engineer people or fish people to send them money through this fraudulent lightning payment channel. 
So apparently there was no sort of checking whether or not these payment channels were legitimate. So an attacker can open up one of these payment channels and send fake transactions all they want. And if an honest user gets duped, then they could send real money back to the attacker, not knowing that the previous transaction had been completely artificial. And they, of course, don't know how many users had fallen victim to this type of attack. But nonetheless, they did find the vulnerability, and they're going to obviously get that fixed. They've already issued a, a patch for it. So that's good. But that's two pretty big vulnerabilities there about the Lightning Network here in just the last few weeks. So be careful with that guy. All right, we're going to jump over to cybersecurity. And, of course, yet another data breach. If you've heard of the company called DoorDash, they had a data breach that affected 5 million customers. Sorry, 4.9 million customers. Excuse me. So that's a ton of people. Now, I guess the somewhat good thing is they got general PII information and partial uh, payment card information, not full PII and full payment card info. But nonetheless, that was a pretty big breach, 5 million customers there. So I've never used DoorDash, but apparently they do like the fast food delivery of the fast food places that don't typically deliver, right? So boom, there you go. That's a lot of people affected by that one. All right, some other news here about Dunkin' Donuts. So this is an interesting one because Dunkin' Donuts back in 2015 had a data breach, apparently, and now they're being sued. Uh, New York is suing Dunkin' Donuts for failing to inform its customers of multiple cyber attacks that compromised their customers' accounts. So the lawsuit claims that cyber criminals hacked into 20,000 Dunkin' customers' accounts back in 2015. And they're basically saying that Dunkin' Donuts didn't disclose this cyber attack to its customers. And they're saying it affected, another one affected, the second uh, breach affected 300,000 customer accounts in 2018. So, wow, those are pretty staggering numbers there as well. So, anyway, they're being sued now because they did not fess up and tell their customers that they had been hacked. And I don't even remember reading about that hack either, so that's... That's an interesting one there, but just goes to show that you can't try to cover it up. It will eventually come out, and, you know, there you go, and now they're getting sued because of it, so that's going to be a nasty one there, I would suspect. All right, some other news here about AT&T and what they were doing with their bug bounty program folks that were running pen tests on them. So this was a kind of funny but kind of mean story at the same time. Uh, you can tell that the IT admins at AT&T were having some fun there. But essentially, AT&T has a bug bounty program that allows researchers to run pen tests against their platform and report bugs and make money doing that. Right. So what AT&T did is they redirected any sort of any and all pen test payload to the FBI's tips portal, <laughs> which essentially flagged all these researchers as now trying to hack a government agency, not just hacking an AT&T site. So <laughs> it's funny, but at the same time, if you were one of those researchers that had the door busted in on you, that's not so funny. But fortunately, everything got sorted out and, and nobody was really affected and arrested. And if they were arrested, they were released pretty quickly. And so there was no real crazy damage there, but it's definitely a cruel joke to play on people, especially if you know and you allow them to, you know, run pen tests against your platform to make money, and then <laughs> you're redirecting all of it to the FBI. Oh, man, that's pretty harsh. 
But you can tell on AT&T, the IT group there, thought they'd have some fun with it. All right, some other news here about Apple and Apple iOS. So this one goes back to the Google Project Zero finding from several weeks back about the nation-state-sponsored hacks and the bugs that were planted on iPhones specifically uh, just by visiting a website. So apparently, you know, Google disclosed all this stuff to Apple, and Apple said that they patched it all up and everything was good to go in uh, one of their releases of iOS, and then Google was still testing iOS and found that they actually, what they patched, didn't fix what they were telling them needed to be patched. (laughs) So it left them still vulnerable to those types of attacks. And apparently this isn't the first time, so there's several instances of this happening where they've disclosed vulnerabilities to Apple and they've patched, or so they say, and then you come to find out they didn't actually fix what they were supposed to. So I'll post this article in the show notes there. This is pretty interesting there. All right. Uh, the last article here today is about DevSecOps. So if you're not familiar with DevSecOps, it's kind of the new buzzword going around. But essentially, it's it's helping developers think about security when they're very first architecting and building uh, whatever piece of software that they're writing, right? They're, this is meant to ingrain all of the security protections in it from the ground up, right? Rather than oh, hey, it's built, oh, wait, we forgot security. Let's go back and and try to patch it on there. And I'll say I'm doing some of this as well at my current job, and it is not easy because, you know, developers just want to do their thing and, and get out. And as a security person, you go over there and you tell them, hey, we need to do this, this, and this. Oftentimes, they're going to push back, and that's just the way it goes. But the more I've talked to them about it, the more they're starting to understand and they're actually starting to implement more of the security controls that I'm asking them to. So it's been it's been good overall. But if you work with any developers, uh, I highly recommend starting some sort of a DevSecOps program with them. And essentially, this is also splitting up the production and test systems and only allowing you know certain people to push to production. Uh, otherwise, they have to push to the test platform first, and it also talk. You know, we talk about implementing encryption and and what should be encrypted. Is it a table that should be encrypted? A specific field? The entire database? All those kinds of fun things. So, whatever kind of data that your devs are handling would determine whether or not you're going to use some sort of encryption or whatnot. But starting a DevSecOps program with them at least gets their their minds engaged and starting to think about security and that's just kind of to get them going right and once you do that and just have some general meetings with them and get them thinking about it as you move forward it gets a lot easier to talk to them about it and get some buy-in from them on some new security initiatives and so as with any new kind of endeavor you would take with any department you want to have some sort of a policy written around it so that was kind of the first thing i did was uh, i sat down with the dev guys and we worked out hey this is going to be our dev secops policy this is all the things that it covers yada 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 and they all agreed to it and that was that was a great first step and so now once you have that 
Now you have to start adhering to it. And that's kind of where the pushback comes. And like, oh, I don't want to do this yet. And I've, they've got all kinds of excuses and, and all that good stuff. But you keep pushing them in the right direction. And eventually they, they start buying in more and more. And it ends up being much more secure the more you do it, the more you talk to them. So if you're running a cybersecurity program and you haven't started doing any sort of DevSecOps, highly recommend you know sitting down with those developers and writing out some sort of a DevSecOps policy, you know, defining some some guidelines, you know, establish some sort of a foundation, all that kind of good stuff, and then start adhering to that new policy. But just from experience, most developers at least in the past, have been, you know, pretty clueless, I guess you could say, to security, or they just didn't really care or think about it. But developers nowadays are getting a lot better. Uh, they're, they're definitely thinking about it a lot more. But still, there's going to be some, some older devs that may not want to jack with it, right? They're just kind of careless with the data that they handle and may not even think about it. So that's where establishing this policy really, really helps and get that thing, get that baseline in there, and then you can start following that policy and enforcing new and better security. All right, then kind of a side topic today, sort of a side topic, I guess, is talking about using an alias for services online that you sign up for. So every day we hear about these data breaches. You know, today it was DoorDash, Dunkin' Donuts. You know, there's one every day, it seems like, right? So here's the thing. You can either give out your real information to Dunkin' Donuts and DoorDash, and when they get breached, your real information is out there on the dark web, or you can use an alias. So my philosophy now is that since there are so many of these breaches that anything I sign up for, that it's not absolutely 100% required that I use my name, I'm using an alias. So what I've done is I've set up a Proton Mail email account. And here's the other thing too, don't spell out any kind of names in your email address that you're using with Proton Mail or whoever you decide to go with. You know, my email address wouldn't be eric.english at protonmail.com. That would be dumb. But use just some obscure word or whatever and numbers and use that as your alias and just make up a name, make up a first name and a last name and get a Google Voice number. Highly recommend getting a Google Voice number. Give out that Google Voice number to all these online services that we sign up for and away you go. And when it asks for an address, just put in something fake. They're not going to validate that. They rarely, rarely va validate that unless you're making a, some sort of a payment to them. Then they want the, the payment address. But that's been my new philosophy nowadays is I'm, you know, unless it's like my bank or anything like that, everything I sign up for nowadays is going to get an alias. They're not going to get my real information because it seems like nobody can protect it nowadays. And that's just really scary, you know. I've never used DoorDash. Uh, I've never eaten at Dunkin' Donuts either, unfortunately. They look really good, but I've never eaten there. So I was wasn't affected by these two in particular, but I have been affected by a ton of others, right? And so this is where when you're giving them just an alias, who cares? You know, whatever, they got breached. All right, it's fine. My real info is not out there. So that also protects you long term as well. The more of these services you sign up for, you're using an alias of some sort rather than your real name, your real home address, your real phone number, anything like that. Give them fake information, give them an alias, give them a Google voice number. You know, oftentimes they'll want to send you a text message to validate who you are. You can do that very easily with a Google voice number. So highly recommend starting to do that with any 
thing that you sign up for online, whether it's ordering a pizza or, you know, logging into some sort of a forum, anything that you're doing online that requires that you sign in and log in and give out your info, make sure you're giving them some sort of an alias. Give them a burner email account that you can still check, but that it's not your real email account. Give them a Google voice number. Give them a fake address. Give them a fake name. And this will protect you with, from all these data breaches. They're going to have all the fake info. And if they get your Google Voice number, who cares, right? You can always go out there and just close that Google Voice account or just get a new Google Voice number. Anyway, I'm, I'm to that point now, and every time I hear about more of these breaches, I just think, man, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago and started using aliases a long time ago because... There's so many services I've signed up for and I've used my real name already, and it sucks. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here hoping that those folks don't get breached, but at the rate things are going, they probably will at some point. But from here going forward, I'm definitely going to give out an alias. So highly recommend that uh, for anybody out there listening that you start doing the same. Don't give out your real info unless you absolutely have to. So protect yourself. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.